With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. second half of Saturday mornings with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter at Joy Keys. Also check me out on Facebook, Saturday mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram. And you can hear the show, guess what? More places now, not just Blog Talk Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes. Check me out. You're listening to music, switch over, listen to a show. Hey, support black businesses, right? <laughs> So this morning, wow, this is a, I mean, I would consider him what they might have said as a young lion, Emmanuel Wilkins. He has a new album out called Ameda. Uh, it was on, it's on Blue Note Records. Um, amazing, amazing pieces talking about, I guess, the black aesthetic experience going on in the world today, tomorrow, in the future. I think it's applicable to all times. Um, Emmanuel's on the line right now. Good morning, Emmanuel. Can you hear me? Uh, yes. Hello. Hello. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, all right. We're on the lot. We're live on air right now. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Oh, I'm very energized. I just got off the call with uh, someone in South Africa. This is the beauty of oh, the technology. Right. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, talking about that, you are a musician. You usually go out and play gigs. What's happening now because of this COVID thing? How are you dealing with this as a musician? I mean, in terms of um, generating work, it's, it's, it's definitely been tough for, for everybody in the music community. Um, but for me, uh, specifically, I've, I've been you – know, live streams are starting to kind of pop up places, no audience. Uh, venues are starting to do that. Um, and just recording. I've been doing a lot of recording, you know, so – Definitely an interesting time. So now I listened to um, the music. Uh, I just want to let the audience know, I opened there with Warriors, and that's from his album Omega. Um, what what made you decide to make this CD and the subject matter around it? Talk, talk to the audience about that. Um, I, I think, I think uh, my music has always been kind of generally a, about, uh, like, black aesthetics. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think I was, I was just influenced by, you know, different events that were happening in my life. Uh, I wanted to really, like, I felt like I had an interesting 
uh, viewpoint in terms of what I thought, like, the black experience was for me specifically. And so I, I kind of wanted to create some sort of audible representation of that that people could kind of have some insight into. Now, you didn't start playing the phone. You started at the piano, I heard, um, and, and, you, and you played the piano in church. What's your, what's, yeah. your, what's your best song? What's your best church song that you can play? My best church song? <laughs> Oh, man, that's a good question. I mean, my, I, I think my, my favorite hymn is uh, Great is Thy Faithfulness. That's my favorite hymn. Okay. I don't, know if I, I don't know if I sound the best on it, but it's definitely my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then now you were able to go to Juilliard. Um, now, how did that come about, and what was the experience at, at the audition? Uh, yeah, Ju- uh, Juilliard was cool. Uh, the, the audition was definitely more um more stressful than actually being in the school uh the audition it was a it was a pretty rough audition process was, i think it was like three rounds of auditions it was a pre-screen and then one live audition and then a callback um and the one the the first live audition i remember i did it in front of just the fact because you know some of my heroes that i looked up to were teaching at the mm. school um but then, after that, it was uh, I had to play in front of the entire faculty, which uh, for the callback was <laughs> even more nerve wracking. Uh, I went to Juilliard because it had such a great faculty. Uh, when Marsalis was there, Ron Carter was there. When I was there, uh, um, Steve Wilson, Joe Temperley. It was just a, a bunch of really great uh, jazz legends there, um, and. Yeah, it was, I, it was stressful, but, I, you know, I, I I liked it there. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed my time. So what do you think the most important thing you learned from going to Juilliard as a musician, as a saxophonist? Um, I, I think I've learned how to really understand, and maybe this is uh, um, an interesting answer. Uh, I, I think I learned how to understand how to work with people, how to collaborate with people who don't play jazz music or don't play my instrument. Uh, mm, don't play music okay. Um, I learned a lot of yeah. I, just, I learned a lot about working with people uh, and understanding process. You know, uh, like when I was like uh, like the jazz wing is very close with the uh, with the dance department wing, um, and I was in a group that actually like an outreach group that kind of played with uh, like went went to um, hospitals and uh, senior centers and. Uh, like pediatric centers uh, okay. and we played for uh, patients there and it was with me and, and like three dancers and an actress so mm. it, it kind of opened my mind, mind up into like working with uh, people in different mediums you know now um, you know a lot of people jazz musicians they're like that quiet they're to themselves could be a little egotistical maybe <laughs> saying and um you know so that's important that you know learning to work with other people now you're Philly well I know you're upper Darby excuse me I don't know but you're Philly yo you know you're from Philly Philly. okay okay you're from Philly all right what do you miss about Philly because you like been going all over and and you live in New York right at the time yeah I I mean well right now right now I'm back in Philly uh since I've been back since March since everything started getting shut down I figured okay. since I wasn't having any more gigs, I might as well spend some time with my family. So it's 
it's been great to be back. Uh, but what I did miss was, uh, I mean, what I still miss is really the, the, the music scene here. Um, I mean, this is, this is where I grew up playing and, uh, for 18 years of my life, this, this was, this is where I was at. Uh, tell the audience about the club club, a little bit about the club club and what you learned there and who you worked with. Yeah. Um, I remember I, I started at the club club in the third grade, um, the third grade. Yep, in the third what? grade. Yep, until until uh, my senior year of high school, and uh, yeah, Mr. Hines over at the club club really kind of took me under his wing. Um, the great faculty. Uh, I always tell the story about the club club. Um, there was this uh, the, uh, this great guitar player, Charles, Charles Ellaby, and Tamazine Takuma, who played bass. Um, and they both would come through the club club and do master classes. Charlie Ellaby actually taught my ensemble, and I remember them talking about how they played with Ornette Coleman. So this is my mm. first introduction to Ornette Coleman's music, uh, and Ornette Coleman ended up changing how I think about the saxophone and changed my complete uh, outlook on, on music. Um, and I really owe, owe a lot to them for had me check him out. I remember looking him up and I listened to this recording uh, on YouTube of Ornette playing uh, Dancing in Your Head uh, in the 90s in Japan. And it was some of the craziest stuff I had heard. He was playing trumpet, saxophone, and violin. And wow. So wow. I, like, I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't until I listened to like earlier recordings where I was like, wow, like, Oh, this cat's really cool. Like I, I, I was really off put by the recording, and then like, but I realized it was something, someone I should know. So mm-hmm. I checked out some earlier recordings, and then I ended up falling in love with them. And now when I listen to the Japan recording, I love it. <laughs> Let's play some of your music. This is a uh, Mary Turner, an American tradition. This is from the uh, Your Omega album. Hold on. Crazy story, yeah. man. I mean, I, it, I like I like was like by tears by the end of reading about who Mary Turner was. Tell the audience who Mary Turner was. Yeah, um, she was a uh, she, she was a lady um, who uh, publicly had kind of protested her husband's uh, murder. He was wrongly convicted of a crime and um, was lynched. And well, first of all, I'll say there, there were a bunch of lynchings that happened. In May of 1918, it was about 15 or so lynchings that happened during that time. And um, this was one of them. This was probably one of the most grotesque ones that uh, I had come across. Um, and so she, she protested uh, her husband's murder. And she, she had two kids. She was a young, young lady. She was about 21. Um, and she had two kids. And she was pregnant with her third. 
And uh, after protesting his murder, the next day she ended up getting lynched. Um, and they, it was really graphic. They ended up like cutting the baby out um, and killing the baby. It was, it's a really terrible, uh, really terrible story. Yeah, you should look it up. Anybody who's listening, check out the Mary Turner story. You can see kind of, I guess you want to say where we came from, but unfortunately now, you know, we have the situation, George Floyd. We have all these other, you know, Brianna, uh, we have all these stories. Just like the other day, somebody was, put a bag over his head. Um, he was naked in the street. Yep. This guy put a bag over his head, then kicked him, flipped him, and, and then sat on top of him. It's like, wow, this is still happening. What are your yeah, thoughts definitely. about that? Well, I think your music is still, like, even though you didn't make it when these things were, like, it's like, this shit is still going on. You do have, you know, definitely. the Ferguson um, out, a song on there, but um, I thought Mary Turner was, like, just so graphic, and I wanted people to know that story. What are you feeling yeah. about this? Because um, Ferguson happened on your birthday. Yeah, yeah, it was close to my birthday. It was two, it was two, before, two days before my birthday. Um, but yeah, uh, I, what, like, uh, basically what, what I was really interested in, um, because I actually did, I didn't know about Mary Turner at first, uh, like most people actually, uh, most, most people aren't really familiar with the story, um, or really the story of a lot of lynchings that happened. Um, but what I was really interested in was kind of this idea of generational trauma and how, um, like me going through, you know, like, uh, killing Michael Brown was, was kind of pivotal for me because one, because it did happen around my birthday, it was kind of a weird time for, for things to be happening. And he was close in age to me. Um, so it definitely had some sort of profound effect on my reality at that point. Um, and when I was thinking about that event, I realized that it kind of sparked something that was more, that was deeper than just the event itself. It wasn't, it wasn't solely about that one event. It was, you know, it, it was kind of uh, cumulative, you know, mm-hmm. it, it had to do with all of the lynchings even, or, all, you know, all of the killings of black folk, even though I wasn't familiar with them, you know, so for an idea of, um, you know, kind of how, uh, one, you know, uh, us seeing a George Floyd or us seeing a Ahmaud Arbery or us seeing a Breonna Taylor, uh, it, what it does is it sparks generational trauma. And, it, and it, you know, we carry all of these names on our back. We carry the Mary Turners on our back. We carry the Walter Scotts on our back. We carry, you know what I mean? I, I right, want to, yes. You, know, per, you want per, to show per, that. Per, yeah, the, the, yeah, the song opens with, um, you know, the drum, and I read the description about, uh, it was like she's running, you know, um, trying to get away. It's, it's very eerie. Um, so when people, you guys, I'm going to be giving away some CDs of his music. When you listen mm. to it, you will hear a story happening and building up. I mean, I played like the uh, kind of a middle part of that song, but um, it, it has this tremendous buildup. And I want to mention also some of the, the, the cats you're playing with, um, pianist Micah Thomas, bassist Daryl Johns, and drummer Quaker Summary. How long have you been working with these cats? Uh, I've been with that band for uh, three years now. We we okay. started my my sophomore year. We started playing, and so yeah, three, three to four years. <laughs> I do a little math there, right? <laughs> Look, you're yeah. not that old. You can't, you can't like, say yeah, like hope, you don't remember shit, right? Okay, don't yeah, no. 
Now, 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 me, I'm 50. I can be like, mm, we love that, you know, but you can't be doing that. I know, I know. <laughs> oh, my God. So, now, you were produced, this album was produced by um, Jason Moran. How did that happen, that connection? So, so Jason Moran, yeah, I ended up, um, I was, I ended up playing with Jason uh, on the road. Actually, man, I'll tell you, I met Jason at an Aretha Franklin concert when I was maybe like 12 or so in Philly at the uh, at the Man Center. And um, I walked up to him, you know, I was like, hey, you know, what's up, Emmanuel? Uh, and wait, wait a second, after, you walked up to Jason Moran like, well, hey, I'm Emmanuel. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, hey, like, you know, nice to meet you. I'm a big fan. <laughs> like, okay, like, you okay, know, you got balls. Like okay, yeah. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, you know, after that, I would just go, I would go to any of his gigs when he was in Philly, um, and, you know, go up to a massive gig, you know, you know, what musicians to check out. Um, and then once I moved to New York, uh, I played a gig the same night as, uh, we were playing sets opposite of the drummer in his band, uh, and the drummer hit up Jason's like, Hey, you know. Like you know, you remember remember that that kid that you know was that on the kid, uh, <laughs> the stalker. You know, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, he's like, yeah, you know, you know, he's, he's marginally, you know, he can kind of half play. You know, he's probably calling for a kid. <laughs> so uh, I love that's how that's how I started going on the road with Jason. Um, and then once I was, you know, once we we had been playing for maybe a year or so together. Uh, I asked him, I was like, hey, man, you know, I'm thinking about recording. Would you produce it? And uh, he was he was down. He was happy. Wow, that's amazing. I want to play um, the song Dreamer. Um, this is Dreamer from your album Omega for the audience. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what I want to do. I want to get, like, how can I do it? And that's what people always tell other mm-hmm. people. Like, if you want to do something, find the people who are already doing it. Because that Definitely. way you don't, you can, you can like, skip a couple steps. You can learn some tricks and tips. Um, instead of trying to learn everything, you're not the first person. So you have the balls to go and, and reach out to him and, mm-hmm. um, you know, say, look, this is, this is my goal right now. Tell the audience yep. about where Dreamer came from. Um, it came from a poem, correct? Yeah, yeah, it was a poem by uh, James Walton Johnson. Um, and actually, it, it, it started off by just, I, I was on a quest to really learn, learn how to write lyrics. Uh, and so I figured that it'd be great if I could reverse engineer them first, and that, that could kind of teach me how to write them myself. So I would take poems and uh, just kind of write music to them, and use the the stanzas as lyrics. Um, 
since I did it with. Uh, and the the poem's really interesting. Um, there was a there was a period where I was super into poetry, where I was like reading a lot of poetry. Uh, not so much now, but I'm still I still enjoy it. Um, but uh, yeah, this this poem is super interesting. It's it's really it's truly about the sublime. Uh, it's about this like kind of dreamscape world uh, that kind of doesn't exist. You know, he talked about uh, like he's in this boat. And the the craft is uh, built of ivory, you know, um, with silver with ores. Silver ores, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's like, so it's, it's like it's super, super, um, super surreal. I kind of wanted to just write a song that was, it felt almost like Afrofuturism in a way, just something that was like, you know, I, you know, I don't do drugs, but I imagine. Like, <laughs> If you tripped on acid like this, that, that, you know what I mean? I want, I want something that. Wait a second, you're a jazz musician and you don't do drugs. I don't do, yeah, right, exactly. I do I'll no just no, yeah, All the jazz musicians in the world that I've ever had are probably going to be like screaming at me right now. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I'm just, I'm just, but that's a stereotypical thing, you know, the jazz musician yep. they're smoking some weed or you know doing something, and then that inspires them to do their music. But what inspires you to do your music? Now, we know about this particular album, but you said you're working on some other stuff. What inspires you? Like, where do you go? Do you go, da- do you go dancing? Do you go walking? Are you near the water? What, what, where does this inspiration come from? That's interesting. Um, I, think, I think my inspiration comes from uh, people, um, ideas. Really, like, I'm, I'm a big thinker. So, like, for me, it's always um, – most of my projects kind of come from a, a central idea that I think is in some way, um, I, I don't know if revolutionary is the word, but, you know, some way kind of life altering, at least for me. Um, and I try to really unpack that idea and flush it out into something that feels, uh, feels special. I think my, my most uh, formative moment as a student of anyone's has been kind of, when the teacher says something that really just like changes my life or, or makes me think of um, like the complete other side of things, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So I, yeah, for me, it's, it's always been kind of a mission just to like paint, paint pictures of complete alternate realities, you know? Who are some of your uh, other favorite musicians, jazz musicians you look up to maybe saxophonists or not non-saxophone players? I'll give yeah I'll give you I'll give you saxophonist first my, my my best my favorite saxophonist obviously John Coltrane the the band's kind of model after the John Coltrane Quartet mm-hmm. um you know anybody who's from Philly knows that John Coltrane is is the one for Philadelphia you know right um uh, so so obviously John Coltrane um Ornette Coleman like I said before has been super instrumental um and then uh. Some some other guys, uh, Henry Threadgill, uh, who's still around, still playing, uh, great composer, great writer. He's from Chicago. Uh, he was he was a part of the uh, AACM um, in Chicago. Uh, Benny Carter, those are my Mount, Mount Rushmore in terms of my people. Yeah, Mount Rushmore. <laughs> so uh, um, let's. Let's talk about something silly. Like, um, if you had yeah. peanut butter and jelly or turkey and cheese, which one are you? Peanut butter and jelly or turkey and cheese? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, man, it probably depends on my mood. 
you picked two like ones that I'd say yes to. Uh, but I am normally picky. I, man, I honestly right now I'm feeling peanut butter and jelly. Peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. So you so. know Philly, Philly, we got the water ice, we got pretzels, and we got hoagies. If you were on an island, which one would you have? Ah uh, man, wait, pretzels, water ice, or hoagies? Yeah, I think I'm man. Going, I think I'm going water ice. You're going with the water ice because you're on the island. Yeah. You want to be cool? Okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> now, do you play a particular type of saxophone? Um, it, it's made by a particular brand that you like better than others? Yep, I play I play, um, I play. play a Somer Mark 7. Most people play a Somer Mark 6. Um, that's kind of the, the, the like, if, if, if anyone asks you about saxophones, that's, like, usually the one. That's, that's the... That's the mecca of of the of the saxophone. It's always Selma Mark VI. That's the best horn. They don't make them so, anymore. So why do you do um, seven? Why why do you do the seven? The seven actually. Uh, so I I got it when I was younger. I and I got it from a um um an old violin shop that kind of you know they didn't really carry saxophones but they had this saxophone there uh, and I got it there and I really fell in love with it. I think one thing is I've just been playing it since I was young, so mm-hmm. uh, I have a you know special relationship with it. Um, but also, if I'm getting into the the actual kind of ergonomics of the horn, it it was made by this guy. Uh, he was a classical saxophonist, Fred Hemke, and Fred Hemke was a big guy. He was a bigger guy, and so he was playing the Mark Six, and he and he was like, man, you know something? Like I'm big. You need to build a horn that like kind of can take my weight, you know what I mean, that, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, the modifications to the seven were bigger keys, uh, a bigger bell. Okay. Um, and so definitely there's kind of a, like, you can put more air through the horn and you can kind of create a bigger sound, in my opinion. That's great. I mean, people don't realize those little, you know, little things that make a difference in a sound or in the comfort of the player. So um, I'm glad you told that story. Now, a young cat coming up, what would you tell him? What does he need to know? Does he need to use somebody to stalk them <laughs> or just stay home? Like, what's, what's the most important thing he should do or she should do? Because women play saxophones too, okay? When I, had a, I had a female saxophone player from um, London on the show, so I don't want to put the women out. All right, so go ahead. What should they know? Um, I, think, I think that um, I think students should, should really uh, just keep going and, and be inspired. Find, find, find music that inspires you. Uh, find an artist that inspires you on your instrument and just keep going, you know, keep playing. Because uh, I think the most important thing is you got to like, you got to like it, you know, you got to yeah. love it. Uh, so whatever can, can inspire you to really love what you're doing is going to be uh, invaluable, you know. Well, I appreciate that you love your music because a lot of great things have come out. I'm going to be giving away some copies of Omega now I heard you're gonna be working with a dance troupe again, um, soon yeah. maybe December. What's that about? Uh yeah, so uh it's it's this uh she's great choreographer Sidra Bell and her company Sidra Bell Dance New York. Uh we got a commission from the Jazz Gallery to uh premiere works. Now the 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 actual premiere is uh kind of postponed indefinitely. We don't know when that's gonna happen. Because um, of COVID, but, yeah. Yeah, you know, in December, that I'm I'm pretty sure is is, is happening. Uh, I don't I don't have a date yet, but 
that's going to be at the 92nd Street Y in New York. Um, and How so, can yeah. people follow you the, on on social media? Maybe so they can find out when it's going to happen. What's your What's your names on social media? Definitely. Uh, my My Instagram is Emmanuel Wilkins, and my Twitter is Wilkins Emmanuel. I, I but Twitter, there's nothing going on. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> my website. My website's just emmanuelwilkins.com. I'm I'm relatively easy to find wherever. Okay, good, good. Well, thank you again for coming on the show. Um, thank you. I wish you m- much success in your upcoming project. Hopefully this COVID thing can get squashed sooner than yep. later and Definitely. people can get out and get work and, you know, make some money. But, you know, they exactly. need a new pair of shoes, right? <laughs> for sure. For sure. <laughs> all right, man. I'll talk to you later, all right? Yes, indeed. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Peace. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, you can follow me again on Twitter, at Joy Keys. Check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Twitter, uh, Saturdays with Joy Keys. I'm going to be giving away some CDs, books. Check me out. Again, you want to be there or you're not going to get a chance to win. I, I try to make it easy for you, but you, you got to be there. you got to be the first um, and just be there and follow you can check us out on Instagram. Um, it has a lot of cool pictures, and I usually post a book or whatever that I'm giving away. Um, you can also check the show out, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, and here at Blog Talk Radio. All right, you guys have a wonderful Saturday, Sunday, weekend. And um, remember, cover your mouth, nose, everything. Keep washing those hands. All right. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.